0: Uh-huh. Yeah. It's all about the Benjamins, baby Well, not quite I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins Welcome to Fintech Beat Where finance, technology, and policy come together I'm your host, Chris Brummer And the future of finance is now China's new cryptocurrency is here Or at least, almost As many fintech beat listeners have already heard, China's central bank is working on a new digital version of the Yuan with the aim of making its national currency easier to use and more heavily relied on in the global economy. And as steps to launch a digital redback are accelerating, US heavyweights are taking notice with McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway among the companies poised to take part in an experimental pilot program with the currency uh, in an area southeast of Beijing. Now, this is Fintech Beats Big 5-0, our 50th episode, by the way. Happy Cinco de Mayo. And one thing we've always emphasized in our episodes is that Fintech can mean different things in different places. And central bank digital currencies are really a case in point. So we've asked two veterans of the show, Sonia Davidovich and Jonathan Kiff, to help us read the tea leaves as to what's happening in China and to put those developments in a global context. Sonia is an economist, digital expert, and knowledge products lead at the IMF, and Jonathan is a senior financial sector expert in the IMF's Global Financial Stability Division. They're two of the IMF's top experts, and we couldn't be more pleased on this 50th episode to pick their brains on the inscrutable world of China's monetary strategy and the race to reshape the digital economy.
1: Flashback, Digital dash, flashback. Digital dash, flashback. Digital dash, flashback, Digital dash.
0: Huh. Sonia, Jonathan, thanks so
1: much for making onto the show.
2: Thank you for having us, Chris. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast again.
1: Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's always a great pleasure, and we always have a lot of fun together, don't we?
0: Absolutely. And this is a fun and very interesting topic, especially since a lot has changed since you were last on the show, and we walked through some of the aspirations associated with the Yuan's internationalization. John, maybe you can walk us through what we're now learning about the Digital Yuan Project. Uh, Certainly more information
1: and news has come
0: to light since the last time we talked.
1: Well, it's interesting you say news, because... You know, with any other with any other central bank, um, we would just uh, go to the central bank website, and we'd see lots of papers, press releases, and so on, and a lot of very concrete information. So, in this case, we gather our information um, from various, usually state-owned, state-controlled publications. So we have some degree of confidence that it's all true. And I guess you know, they say where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, certainly, the case is the case here because. Uh, the um, the stories of overlap and um, and look very similar. So first of all, we what we do know is, and this is from the central bank website. You know, they definitely have an active uh, central bank digital currency program underway. I think they used some expression in a recent document. We have unwavering commitment to this uh, um, to this project. And so that we picked up over the last few weeks in terms of information is that, like you say, there's a there's a pilot that's either has taken place, is taking place, or will take place, I think they're talking about four um, different uh, municipalities or, or cities. And they're going to be, it's going to be a limited pilot, so they're restricting it, we think, to about 19 restaurants and shops. And like you say, that involves McDonald's and Starbucks as, as, as principal uh, participants. Now, other interesting aspects of this pilot seem to be that some, some of the municipal and city employees will be actually paid by this cbdc, um, we've heard one story that uh, municipal employees in one city may be getting their transportation subsidies in the form of this this new currency. um we've also seen in another place that and uh, some in some cities uh, they might be getting their part of their salary in in this in this um, new new currency so and then the other interesting dimension is and this goes back a couple of months i've I'd heard stories that the some pilots had already taken place. And that you get hints of that in some of the recent news stories. So I saw one that said the pilot had already taken place in Beijing in December. I have no confidence in whether that's true or not, but it may be true. And then the more recent stories about the McDonald's, Starbucks, and so on, those seem to revolve around the possibility that the the pilot may be currently underway. Um, just started in, let's say, in April or or just about to start in May. But the language is often murky because even if I'm reading the English version of these the news stories, I, I suspect they're actually translated um, from an, originally from Chinese. So I think sometimes some of these nuances get lost in translation. Sonia, what John is saying really is interesting. This
0: idea that some pilot projects may have already taken place. Or what we're hearing in the news is just part of a larger process that has, in fact, uh, already started to unfold. Now, um, with obviously the limited information that has been released, maybe you can share with us then what's caught your eye as someone who has had to track these kinds of projects closely all over the world.
2: Thanks, Chris. I, I what I find most interesting is actually this uh, blockchain service network. So it's an entire infrastructure that is built by from a central authority, um, the central bank, in and, and this case, uh, together with the telecom uh, companies. And this is sort of the attempt of marrying um, centralization with decentralization, because this infrastructure will be managed by a central authority but um, developers and uh, startups or fintech companies actually even students can uh, plug in their code and test out their applications uh, including any blockchain-based applications using that infrastructure so the attempt here is like to lower the cost um, the barrier of access for a lot of the small uh, startups and individuals to be able to plug and play with this infrastructure and test out different design features. And and, and, and most importantly, on this infrastructure, uh, there's going to be a high degree of uh, interoperability between the various applications. So, uh, applications. so I find that uh, quite, uh, quite an interesting development because um, this kind of like a public uh, blockchain uh, network it's something that the authorities have not maybe have only explored cautiously. So I think this building, this infrastructure will provide the opportunity to test something out, uh, something like similar out in a controlled in- environment, right? And have the interplay of like centralized, centrally provided infrastructure, and then the centralized applications that are built uh, on top of it. I think that's that's, that's an interesting development because it aligns with some of the research that I've been seeing recently come out of, um, out of Central banks such as the Bank of England, who are uh, promoting this concept of um, uh, platform. So it's less about the actual currency uh, in this case, but rather about the ecosystem, about the infrastructure that is being made available because uh, I do think there's a lot of value in building a robust infrastructure by the monetary authority, uh, given that there's probably going to be like um, higher standards on like cybersecurity, interoperability, uh, and other design features. So um, that, to me personally, is um, a quite an interesting um, design feature of how this project unfolds.
0: That's really a critical observation you're making, since central bank digital currencies can come in uh, all kinds of shapes and sizes. Um, On on the one end of the spectrum, they can comprise quite literally just uh, digital representations of government fiat currencies or or payment rails. And, And then on the other more ambitious end, they can serve as the base layer infrastructure for applications to be built on top of them, analogous at least to the Ethereum blockchain. And that's What appears to be the case with China's CBDC, where, where, again, it appears that there are going to be efforts to leverage the potential programmability of a digital currency, Um, have you seen any other countries that are similarly minded uh, and share such uh, similar lofty ambitions?
2: So what I've learned from um, from what is available in the press, as John was saying earlier, we don't have um, much beyond what is publicly reported. Is that the idea is to export this this concept of a of, of a of a platform to um, potentially to other um, economies as well? Like I think the focus was first on Asia, possibly, um, and then in other parts in the in the world at at some point. But that is more so from the you know, fr- from the concept of like the, the commercial the commercial side of it of obviously the company who's behind it, who's helping uh, make the <clears throat> this blockchain service network uh, reality is interested in exporting this to to other countries as well. I, I'm not, as you were saying, as a complex undertaking, an undertaking, and I'm not entirely sure that that's something that can be realized in a short period of time. So um, I do think that uh, this will be a medium to long-term development that we will see in other countries. But yes, I think countries are increasingly starting to think uh, along those lines, although, and um, we haven't seen that many platform based approaches to uh, central bank digital currency um, yet in in the world, maybe just in a conceptual form
0: well, what we are seeing in a concrete form is uh, our our pilot projects. I mean certainly this is not the first uh, pilot project uh, for a central bank digital currency and 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 frankly it's it's not even the first time that China has tried to engage in some form of monetary experimentation vis-a-vis pilot projects. I mean, like their their, their overall attempt to internationalize their, their currency was often sort of based on a series of pilot projects uh, scattered um, or first launched in different parts of, of, of the country. Uh, but when you look at actual pilot projects that are already operative and on the ground, uh, Jonathan, um, uh, what... Have we already learned, or what are we learning from these real world projects and And how can these uh, pilot projects that are already in operation and that have already been designed and 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 that are sort of not just conceptual, as Sonia has noted, but are but are actually operative, what are they telling us that can help us understand what we are seeing uh, or hearing uh, from China and state-based media in the country?
1: Thanks, Chris. Um actually there's been um a number of pilots been conducted over the last couple of years. Though we've I think we've spoken before about the Uruguay pilot where, you know, I think we learned there that uh, you know, everyone gets very obsessed with the idea that uh, a digital central bank digital currency has to be based on a blockchain type platform similar to that of Bitcoin and so on, but they actually did theirs on a much simpler traditional centralized database platform, um using very simple. Um, I think it's SMS technology, the same technology that can be run on any feature phone. So you don't even have to ante up for a smartphone to run it. So they conduct their pilot. It's been about a year since they wrapped it up and now they've kind of gone back to do their legal and, and, and um, macroeconomic homework to, to see if it's really worth uh, rolling that out. So that, that, I mean, I think they would call that, that would, that would be a successful um, pilot. It was, done for six months, and it was stopped at six months, and now they're just doing their homework. So that's that's one of them. They, that, and Very recently, the Bahamas has rolled out um, a pilot of their they call it the Sand Dollar. That rolled out in late December, and I believe it's on a six-month horizon, too. So the idea is they run it for six months, then they sort of pause, go through the data, reflect on what worked and what didn't. So they launched it. Um, and there's a little different, I think, from the one that um, China's role now. China seems to be um, limited in terms of, like the number of the, the the number of merchants involved and so on. In the case of both Uruguay and the Bahamas, they've just rolled it out um, over to the whole the whole. In the case of Uruguay, the whole country. In the case of the Bahamas, they they rolled it out in the Exuma Island, and they're going to next roll it out um, in Abaco. And the interesting thing about those choices is that Exuma is the it's the main Island, so that's a pretty safe place to start. But Abaco, um, is, the island, was hit really hard by, um, can't remember the name of the hurricane, but the recent hurricane that was very, very devastating. And and one of the reasons they're they're looking at digital currency is they want something that's robust through disaster scenarios like hurricanes. So that they're going to be going into Abaco, which is still recovering from the hurricane, and um, and save the infrastructure works there.
0: Let me just j- jump in there really quickly. So when you think about these uh, past pilots, you know, w- w- what apparently, uh, you know, the story that I'm hearing is you'll, you know, you have other past pilots. Um, they have been uh, conceptually a little bit less um, ambitious in terms of their immediate objectives. Um, but, But what I'm hearing is that even in those instances, pilot projects can really take a while, and translating a pilot project into, a, into an operative sort of change in your monetary system can take a while. Um, and, and, and as a result, uh, if, if we're going to take these other two smaller examples into mind, I mean, does this tell us that, you know, any introduction of a digital yuan could actually still be very many months away, uh, or is there a sense that, um, you know, when you're trying to read the tea leaves here, that uh, China is likely to move relatively quickly from the pilot stage to the real-world implementation stage? Uh, uh, Sonia?
2: Well, it's hard to speculate on an exact date. I mean, um, this has been sort of out in the press for a while now, and, you know, we all Thought. it's imminent it's imminent it's coming but um i think that's very much depends on what is the data that the um, that is was collected as part of the pilot programs because it's essential that that data that is as part of a hopefully a data framework that exists in place will inform any iterations and changes to the product to the car, um to the cbdc Uh, and will have to be incorporated before a a final launch. So uh, I think it's important to understand that, you know, one uh, pilot program is probably not sufficient in most cases. It's important to test out various things, various use cases. For example, like um, testing out the use case of dispersing uh, commuter benefits, um, salaries, and peer-to-peer payments those are all like really distinct use cases. Then testing out uh, various design features like uh, offline capability or cybersecurity resilience. Again, they all require a different approach and they also require different data frameworks that is being collected because there has to be some uh, key performance indicators that need to be met in order to be able to say, okay, now we're production ready. Now we're ready to go live. And so... Um, I do think that these pilots will definitely help inform the final product and it will the, I'm, I'm sure that the uh, idea behind the, the pilots is to collect this data to be able to iterate on the product further so that it's ready for production. But when that date actually um, when that actually is is <laughs> very hard to tell. And I wouldn't want to speculate, but certainly the amount and the extent of these pilots, Already, sort of indicates that the authorities are uh, very seriously testing out all the possible design features and use cases that exist that will help inform a rollout in the near future.
1: I'd like to jump in here with a shameless plug too. Um, um, Sonia and I are part of a team that's uh, um, has written a, a working paper um, at the IMF on the, the many considerations that central banks take into consideration when they when they're thinking about issuing cbdc and and you know it's grown into a monster of a paper because the whole undertaking is so so complex and involves so many moving parts and and what we see in these pilots too is that is the different and actually beyond pilots looking at the central banks that haven't piloted but are pondering that like rick the ricks bank and the bank of canada but everyone sort of approaches these things in different ways in the case of the Bank of Canada and Rick's Bank, they follow this very seemingly convoluted process where before even thinking about pilots, they do all kinds of work on the macroeconomic aspects of it and design features and so on. And in both cases, uh, real-world pilots are still well down the road, if if at all. And then you get others like the Uruguay, for instance, and I think Bahamas would be the same. Um, They decide to do it in a different order. They're going to do the pilot first um, and then sort of do some experiment and iterations towards the final product. Now, in the case of China, I suspect they're probably more in the Bank of Canada, Rix Bank camp, except we don't we observe don't what they're thinking and doing. In the case of the Bank of Canada, they've got an endless stream of working papers, so you can easily see the thought process. The same with the Rix Bank. But in the case of the, the Bank of China or PBOC, it's all very, um, it's all very behind the
0: scenes. Well, you know, moving a little bit closer uh, to to home, uh, we've we've also seen the the question of um, sort of a a digitalization of the U.S. dollar being a matter of uh, increasing uh, political and and really policy uh, interest. Uh, uh, Jonathan, maybe you can provide uh, your thoughts as to sort of how some of those initiatives or proposals look, especially when again you're, you're trying to compare that to a lot of what's what's happening in China.
1: The first time this thing popped up was in in late March during the last phases of the um stimulus discussions in, in Congress, so there was a actually it in the house version of the bill there was an introduction of a digital dollar and uh, it was basically going to be a it was central bank digital currency because it would involve the Federal Reserve Board running the rollout of this this currency. It then disappeared from that draft and so it, then it reappeared in a in a separate Senate bill um, by Senator Sherrod Brown, and uh, it was not a stimulus bill. It was very focused on on just introducing the CPC. And then another there's yet another one that's popped up in the House. That's kind of an active area. And and this uh, third one is linked to um, coronavirus stimulus payments too. But the common theme here, I think, is the Fed will be run. The currency will be done in conjunction with. Other financial institutions, private financial institutions, would be responsible for the wallets and, and sort of the, the user-facing infrastructure. And that's a common theme you see throughout all these pilots. And most CBDC thinking, no central bank wants to be running wallets and and on bricks-and-mortar kiosks where people can convert funds and so on. So it's a common, it's a common theme that the, the it's kind of a private-public uh, partnership.
0: Just to jump in there, I mean, so so what you're really explaining or or, or, or walking through is, you know, a a uh, the the U.S. proposals thus far are really centered on uh, digitizing the dollar and trying to find some kind of payment rail, you know, that that can move dollars. And I think, um, you know, you had mentioned the the stimulus bill. You know, obviously the the driver behind the stimulus bill is the coronavirus uh, uh, pandemic. And this idea that maybe digitalizing money is, is really useful for, in terms of getting people financial resources, often government-backed or sponsored, uh, financial resources as, as quickly as, as possible. Turning back then to Sonia's observation that China's approach is really in many ways a state-sponsored program aimed at building out a platform for future um, application building do you see any similar kinds of uh, approaches in the congressional proposals that hold any kind of uh, similar ambitions?
1: Well, the U.S. proposals are these; they're very conceptual. Um, they identify who the players will be in the ecosystem and so on. But in the case of the that wallet layer, the part that's, that's outsourced the private sector, it, that sounds to me like it could include, could potentially include a blockchain-based um infrastructure but it doesn't get into that kind of detail and actually i wouldn't jump to any conclusions in the china case either because um then on occasion they've said that it's definitely not going to be blockchain based so I, I view that blockchain initiative as being quite separate from the cbdc initiative at least um so far but getting back to the u.s uh, i just want to also bring up a fourth item which is this um it's a it's a it's called the Digital Dollar Project, and it's being run by um ex CFDC chair, uh, Christian Carlo, and he's he's a bit keener on on CBDC. But um, he did also jump into the debate around these congressional um, bills to point out, I think, quite correctly, that perhaps um, this situation isn't the right one to be uh, piloting and playing around with new uh, new um, kinds of digital. Currency. These and you sort of hearken back to what I've said earlier about how complex this undertaking is.
0: Sonia, how do you view uh, these these U.S. developments? I mean, we've heard uh, quite a few. Most recently, there's the BOOST Act from uh, Congresswoman Tlaib. We've we've heard um, just last week, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has introduced a postal banking uh, act that would grant the U.S. Postal Service the power to provide basic financial services. We've heard digital dollar proposals coming from U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown. And then, as Jonathan mentioned, the digital uh Dollar Foundation, which yours really is on the advisory board, but but they're they're working on thinking through advice for for digitizing the dollar and 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 what kind of public- private relationships would be optimal. How do you situate sort of the u s. dollar digitalization conceptualization to what we're hearing in China?
2: So I think it's important to separate uh, two um, things and in, in my in my opinion. One is that it may be a need for um, to disperse stimulus payments to the population, in particular those that are unbanked or, or underbanked. Which there are cases in the U.S. that would fall into that uh, category. So that was, I think, what we've seen throughout the legislative legislative process that you know uh, co- uh, policy makers are really trying to find a way how to reach those segments of the population and best. Uh, provide the those that are most in need, or likely mostly in need, um, reach uh, receive that stimulus payment uh, in a timely fashion. So I think that was an, a response to an immediate need, and we sort of see that uh, aligned with uh, what we what we've observed um, amidst the COVID nineteen economic fallout. A lot of governments are thinking about uh, very hard how to reach populations that are uh, under or unbanked uh, with those stimulus payments. So that is this immediate need. And then there's sort of more long-term sort of vision and conceptual thinking around how to um, make something like a digital dollar happen. What would that look like? And I think this is what Digital Dollar Foundation is trying to do, like to explore various uh, purposes encourage research and a public discussion around that topic and like kind of identify what would be the most the potential advantages and the use cases that this digital dollar could uh, could meet Uh, and those are I would consider them distinct because simply because um, something like building out a whole ecosystem or an infrastructure like um, China has done Requires a more strategic approach, and, and requires, as you were saying earlier, some kind of closer collaboration with uh, with other stakeholders uh, in that ecosystem. And that just takes time to finesse out and to really uh, conceptualize, like or or like come up with a vision of like what this infrastructure and this ecosystem uh, would look like. And it doesn't necessarily need to. Uh, be related to you know just a specific technology i think in the case of of china what we've seen is that this platform is not you know is not like your ethereum network right like it's not <laughs> set up like that but what it allows is for permission blockchain applications to build on top of that infrastructure so it's like this marriage of like centralization and decentralization that's I think um, this blockchain service network is is, uh, trying to um, encompass. And so for that to really happen in a sustainable fashion, um, really that will require a much more um, sort of collaborative approach by everyone. And I think this the Digital Dollar Foundation is trying to fill that role uh, currently. But I don't think that... We will see like immediate results or an immediate action. I think this is more sort of like just um, steering the conversation in that direction, possibly find, defining a vision, uh, coming up with collaboration models, and like sort of like the grand master plan of how this might un- uh, unfold in the future.
0: Jonathan, Sonia, thanks so very much for making it onto the show.
2: Thank thanks you for having
0: us. China's digital currency may not immediately transform the international monetary system, but it will accelerate changes within it. The entry of such a big country making clear advances into the digital currency space, and one that sits at the heart of the international trading system and commerce, will undoubtedly unlock fear and competitive spirits with peers and rivals, and in the process launch an unprecedented degree of innovation by many of the world's central banks. Now, where it leads is still anyone's guess. But combined with the challenges posed by the coronavirus, it's pretty clear that the days of the international status quo are quickly coming to an end. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer, D-R. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you. FinTech Beat is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.